Welcome back to another episode of Point of Insanity Geekery in General Podcast. You know, long-time listeners to the show, you might recall that usually whenever I've talked about my early experiences with the Nintendo Entertainment System, I've usually referred to someone known as my cousin. You might be wondering, who is this shadowy figure? He Well, he's a riddle wrapped inside a mystery and covered with enigma, and he's sitting right next to me. And I'm trying to get out. Someone <laughs> help me. No. Shh. Don't ruin the magic. So do you want to introduce yourself, or do you want to maintain your anonymity and be continually known as my cousin? Well, as a shadowy figure, being known as the cousin is never a bad thing. However, no, I'm Wayne. I am a gamer for as long as I can remember, pretty much. We can blame the parents for that, but, you know, buying the ColecoVision and then the Nintendo Entertainment System after that, then the Super Nintendo Entertainment System after that, you know, thank you. Um, But otherwise, yeah, no, my name is Wayne, and I'm here today. Yep, and... Because, yeah, I mean, the because I remember way back when, when we were kids, I used to live down in New Berlin and, you know, Wayne up here in Appleton. Now I live in Appleton. Scary. But, uh, well, anyways, because uh, I remember there was like a hotel we used to stay at. Uh, I don't know if you remember or not. It used to be called Guest House Inn, but now it's like, then it became Baymont and then La Quinta, where, and th- there used to be like four buildings and... You know, I guess they tore down two of them to make room for other stuff, but... It's not as scary as the one that's down the road that's kind of like... People live there permanently, and it's like, ooh... Where is it? Which hotel is that? That's the one on college. Okay, I don't remember which one. I don't know which one that is. The the college one, and it's like, I lived in the shady apartments on the other side on Spencer Street. But there was always the hotel that was the one. And, of course, there's the hotel next to the Pitney Bowes. That's the crack house. So hopefully you didn't live there ever. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. But, you know, usually I remember there was this one time we came up to visit, and I asked if I could spend the night at, you know, Wayne's house. And that's, remember, when you introduced me to the NES, and it blew my mind, which, of course, by looking at today's games, you might wonder, how can the 8-bit NES blow your mind? But you have to keep in mind that back then... You know, the only things that I really had much experience with outside of the arcades was the Atari 2600. So when you're going from Pitfall to Super Mario Brothers, it makes a big difference. And I remember the one game that really kind of knocked my socks off, Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Because I remember it was like, you know, that game, Um, because I said I hadn't seen anything like it before. And I think the thing that really just blew my mind about it is, you know, you had this inventory and, you know, we had this whole world to explore. So it wasn't like you were just running to the right side of the screen like you were in most other games at the time. What's funny about Legend of Zelda to me, coming back now, and especially when you say it blew your mind, I watched or read something the other day just because I was bored on the Legend of Zelda, finding out it was really the first open world game that was ever actually made because you could do a lot of the things in any order that you wanted. You didn't necessarily have to stick to an order except for like each dungeon needed a specific item to get through. But coming back to it now, like you could get like the second sword upgrade, like even before you finished, I think the second or third temple, it's like going back to that now, knowing that going this was a lot more complex than even you think now going from like the Atari 2600 to that anybody who's out there just get an emulator or if if it ever comes out the Atari box or VCS as it will be called um and just take a look at those games and just start going down the line I think that's a very interesting history right there just looking at the I don't know how you'd say it, just graphics and the design of games. Oh, yeah, and um, because, yeah, the, actually the white sword, you could actually get that before you even complete the first uh, dungeon because, like, you have to find, like, um, you know, you have to find, you have to have, like, I think seven hearts, and it is possible to get at least four hearts before you go in there, and 
Here's a challenge. Have you ever tried making it as far as you possibly can without picking up a single sword? No, I have not done that because it didn't seem like something that was necessarily going to uh, be productive on actually getting through the game. Now, mind you, just going on an exploration journey, eh, sometimes you need a little bit more inspiration than I did at that point. Because <laughs> I did try it once, and I was able to beat all the bosses except Ganon. I was able to get to Death Mountain, but I never actually got to Ganon. Uh, and again, it's hard because usually the secret to it is, you know, in the upper, like, northeast corner of the map, there's that secret peninsula that has the the moblin that gives you you know 100 rubies yeah so it's like you got to go there and then once you have that usually what i do is then i buy the candle and then i use that to burn down trees uh to the ones i know where you can get more rubies and then usually it gets a little easier once you manage to get bombs and the arrow but you still have to be very careful because um you know you of course you with the, the candle the the first one you get is it the red or the blue? I keep I keep getting it mixed up, but I think it's the blue candle first, and then you eventually get the red. But I'm probably a little wrong in that one because yeah, I think it's the blue can. Actually, yeah, I think it's the blue candle first. But the problem with that one is, you know, of course you can only use it once per screen. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's a challenge, but it can be done. Uh. Still, like I said, it's something that you only want to do if that usually only a hardcore player is going to try or someone who's really bored. But yeah. And, uh, Castlevania was another one of those early games that really blew my mind. Um, still have never beat the original. Just can't seem to, you just can't seem to put up with the actually you get hit, get knocked. It's kind of like Ninja Gaiden. It's like at, at some point, because I was just never good enough. It's just like, Oh my God, the frustration level didn't mean that I didn't pick it up every once in a while and just tried. It's just like, Oh, all right, I'm dying. All right, yeah. dying, dying, dying. Okay, maybe not. I never, see, I never beat the original Castlevania until I got it on the uh, the NES emulator for Wii. Uh, because the nice thing about that is then you could, you could, of course, create that save state. Yeah. Because my problem is I can usually get, for a while, death was usually the hardest one for me. But if you have the, the firebomb, he's actually not as bad because that, that'll destroy just about any boss in the game. Well, usually my problem is I could, you know, and once you fight your way through the Dracula stage, which was a pain in the ass, usually Dracula always gave me a lot of trouble. And, of course, back in the old NES, you didn't couldn't save. So when you had enough, you just turned off the game and you had to start over next time. So we're not here, though, to talk about well, we are here to talk about uh, past games, but we're not here to talk about quite that far back because, of course, after the 8-bit era came the 16-bit era, and that was, in my opinion anyway, that was a great time to be a fan of console role-playing games. Very definitely. If you think about it, you had so many upgrades and so many classic role-playing games on the 16-bit era that we still live with today in some ways that are still going on. Oh, yeah, and there were, uh, like I said, there were a lot of really good games there, um, and some of them did go on to spawn numerous sequels, like Breath of Fire is one that always comes into mind, uh, comes to mind, and then, while this was for the Genesis, of course, but Fantasy Star went on to go uh, form a, you know, respectable lineage but if you ever go on the internets and look up a list of the greatest 16-bit role-playing games ever made there's two games for the super nintendo that are probably going to be somewhere on that list final fantasy 3 slash 6 and chrono trigger so again ask anyone who was a fan of those games and chances are they've played at least one of them, if not both. And it's it's a good debate to have which one do you think is the better of the two. And, and that's one of the things that Wayne and I here are going to discuss. But before we begin our discussion on Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy 3, well, do I really need to call it, do I do I really need to call it 3 or should I call it 6? Cuz I'm sure pretty much everyone uh knows that 
I'm pretty sure everyone knows the story behind the numerology right now. Yeah, the one thing I would say is probably six, because if anybody actually wants to pick it up now and actually play it, if you're looking for it, you'll want to look at getting six instead of actually three. Now, if you're owning a Super NES Classic, it is still Final Fantasy three, and it was included on the actual little console that they put out. Yeah, which... I'm actually surprised, but glad they put it on there. I mean, I I still have my original copy of Final Fantasy 3 slash 6. Okay, from now on, we're just going to call it Final Fantasy 6. I'm sure you all know that, what we're talking about here. But I still have my original copy. Um, so, I mean, I didn't go out to get a, 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 a Super Nintendo Classic. But I'd have to say that, honestly, that game alone is worth the price. Because... If you ever go to like a used video game store that does sell the, you know, old retro games like that, if you find a copy of Final Fantasy 3 um, or Chrono Trigger 2, even just the cartridge alone can run you, a, usually it'll cost you anywhere from about 50 to, you know, 50 to 75 bucks. Yeah, and that sounds about right. And if you've got one that has the manual and the box, and it's in really good condition, you're going to probably be shelling out, you know, well over 100 for that. Yeah, having it for over this long in good, pristine condition and remembering to keep the, the handbook and instruction manual intact, it's probably a good feat. If... <laughs> yeah, and I know for mine, I have the box, but it's in not in very good condition, and I still have the map but I can't find the the manual for it, so I don't know. Maybe I'll try to pick it up on eBay. But we will resume our discussion in just a moment. It was a dark and stormy night, and the hosts of the Queens of the Damned podcast had just gathered around the fire with their tomes of forgotten lore. Don't forget the wine! And a lot of wine, much of which had already been imbibed. For her part, Miranda was discussing A history of Frankenstein, from its conception to Karloff's beloved role as the monster. And Rachel would continue with Vincent Price. Like everything about Vincent Price. And as the fire died down, Nikki would conclude the evening With something related to gothic literature, probably. You know me so well. Do you like listening to three women debate about the cultural significance of the horror genre? And also axe murders. I do love a good old-timey axe murder story. Then Queens of the Damned, a horror podcast, is the show for you. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much anywhere you can download a podcast. Visit us at queensofthedamnedpodcast.wordpress.com, qotdpodcast.podbean.com, or email us at qotdpodcast at gmail.com for more details about our monthly horror giveaways. Stay spooky. And we're back. So let's go back, back to the past. Not to play the shitty games that suck ass. I'm sorry, that would be ripping off the angry video game nerd. And again, because the games that we're going to be talking about today are definitely not bad games. Um, again, anyone who's a fan of 16-bit role-playing games is probably going to release you know, it's probably going to rank both of these games very highly. So which one did you play first, 6 or Chrono Trigger? That I can't really remember. I'm guessing, though, because I actually would have bought, had, I actually owned Final Fantasy VI. So I would say that one. I don't believe I ever actually owned Chrono Trigger. So that was a rental more than anything else. Yeah, and I know that I played 6 before I played Chrono Trigger. And the way I got introduced to it is I was over at a friend's house and he was playing it and, and I'm like, hey, what's this? It looks like Final Fantasy. And he's like, well, it's Final Fantasy three. And I had played two, which slash four, which, you know, I enjoyed. Um, and I'd have to say that when I and I know I've told this before every now and then, but I remember going from the eight bit to the 16 bit era. Final Fantasy IV was one of the first 16-bit games I saw. And when I heard the music, I'm like, there's no way video game music is ever going to get any better than this. Um, and there's no way graphics are going to get any better than this. And Never. Yeah, never. Boy, was I wrong. But And again, that's what impressed me so much, and we're going to be talking about the music later, but 
the fact that it didn't just sound like electric bloops and bleeps. It sounded fairly realistic. That that synthesized music that's actually a musical score, not just a random pattern of noises, uh, like you were saying with the bloops and bleeps, that was really something that takes you by surprise the first time you can hear it. And I remember, well, actually, we'll come to this later when we talk about music, but it's strange when you, there's a local gaming store called Chimera's here. Oh, yeah. And if you ever go in there, they're playing video game music, and it's so weird to kind of be haunted by who's playing this game, or who's playing this game, you know what I mean? Because you're like, you immediately know where that came from, and... Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I, when I go in there occasionally, I hear them there. And uh, there's also a couple of used retro game stores in this area, uh, Press Start Games and SideQuest Games. And sometimes with Press Start, when you go in there, they will have video game soundtracks playing. Or what some people do is they'll make remixes. Um, like one guy I'd recommend, Daniel Tidwell. He does heavy metal, you know, hard rock arrangements. And he did a really good... Uh, arrangement of five songs from Final Fantasy Mystic Quest and you know the uh Dr. Wily Castle staged one part one from uh Mega Man 2 yep you know one of the most recognized and awesome pieces of 8 of 8 bit NES music he did a version of that that just wow i'll have to play it for you later but I said, for me, Final Fantasy III came first, and I didn't get a chance to play Chrono Trigger until a friend of mine let me borrow it. Um, so I never, and then eventually, I, when I had the chance, I bought my copy of Final Fantasy III that I still have to this day. So any game, of course, is going to have characters. So let's take a look first at the cast of characters. So what are your thoughts on the characters of Final Fantasy III versus, or Final Fantasy VI versus Chrono Trigger? There are so many more of them. <laughs> uh, to be perfectly honest, the entire game has a very interesting line of characters. And in some ways, NPCs and people you meet are kind of not as important sometimes as the ones in Chrono Trigger, if I'm remembering. But the backstory to have so many main characters that are in your party that are actually being able to be used, and that each one of them has sort of a backstory to them that you can actually find in-game. I found that very interesting because you wanted to go and learn more about these characters, where in Chrono, you're looking at it through the lens of, okay, I know these people. Do they have a backstory? Like, there's one that has a backstory that you've kind of have to piece together for yourself because all well, the backstory is kind of out of place because it's a game of time, but it's kind of cut and dry as figuring out some of the backstories of these characters where in final fantasy three, those backstories are sometimes later and sometimes even missable. Yep, and that's one thing I do like, because the, the thing about Final Fantasy VI, okay, sometimes we'll say three, sometimes we say six, you guys know what we're talking about, so we're not going to go back and waste time on that, but I, I guess the way I see it is, in some ways, uh, I mean, with Final Fantasy VI, the only complaint I had is I thought in some ways the roster was almost too big, because there were certain characters I rarely ever used. Uh, like, for example, Umaro. Yeah. I usually didn't use him. And I think Umaro was actually a missable character that you didn't yeah. necessarily have to pick up. Yeah, him and Gogo were the, the optional characters. Uh, then, But still, I mean, even though there were all these characters, I think most of them were pretty memorable. And uh, like when you're talking about the backstories, uh, yeah, there some of them had a bit more attention paid to him than others, like Locke. Uh, you know, they had the whole thing with Rachel and how uh, that affected him as a character. Uh, probably one of my favorite characters is Celise uh, or Celis. I'm not sure how people pronounce what the proper pronunciation is. In World of Final Fantasy, they pronounce it Celise, I think, so or Celeste. So that's how I take into pronouncing it. But, I mean, I always like how, you know, for her, 
she went from this, you know, this general to a traitor, and then she comes becomes a hero again. So she was always one of my favorites. Um, Gao, I know they put a little. I didn't really use the character very often, but they had that little subplot about the person they think is his father. Yeah, and how he got there. One of the things that's very interesting about Final Fantasy six three and whichever you want to do is that when you're first introduced to what you consider the main character where other rpgs of that time you just had that main character who was a personification of you you found out that yeah she is a main character but she's not the main character all the all the characters technically have as much depth except for what we've gone into you know you are go go um but each one of them could be a main character in their own right because eventually as the as the story progresses you know it's more of a world story and all the characters than just that one person yeah and i mean in a way the i mean the thing i liked about chrono trigger with the smaller cast I mean, granted, with, I mean, Frog is the one that really has the backstory they go into. The others, I mean, Marley, all you pretty much learn about her is just she kind of has daddy issues. You know, they don't really, there's not as much of a development with for her as a character. Uh, Luca has a little bit. Uh, Robo, not too much that I can remember, yeah. Um, uh, the cave woman. Isla. Isla, yes. Uh, she, I know she has some development, a little bit of, well, actually, no, not really too much development. And, uh, same thing with Magus. Um, again, he, well, Magus is the one that you kind of have to piece together. He's the one that eventually you go, oh, and that's who that is. Okay. So yeah, yeah, that's right. You're cause yeah, you kind of meet him in the past, but in a way I think having the, the smaller character roster in that game the thing I liked about that is it made it easier to level up and, you know, because you didn't have to go and grind, uh, like, what, I, mean, I think there's, like, what, 12, play, 12 or 14 playable characters in 6? Uh, yeah, it's a little ridiculous, but it does, well, and I don't know if we want to spoil or go at the end. I'm pretty sure everybody's either beaten it or has played, but... Okay, everyone, spoiler alert. It's strange because in Final Fantasy VI, while you have all those characters... I don't believe you have to use them all, but at the end, when you're at the final boss, because there's different stages, leveling up all of them is actually fairly needed because you need X number of characters to be able to beat the final boss, you know, because you need to get through all six stages of the, or no, three stages of the end boss. Actually, with, uh, and I did an episode, entire episode on Final Fantasy VI back in, uh, many many episodes ago okay i've done so many episodes sometimes that i can't really picture when i did stuff but okay everyone grab your drink grab your drink there <laughs> okay uh everyone t okay this is the unofficial point of insanity game studio geekery in general drinking game i'm about to mention dan from the radio free borderlands podcast so everyone grab your beverage okay take a sip there okay but yeah, my friend Dan, actually with a, it is possible to beat Final Fantasy VI with just three characters. Because once you get to the World of Ruin and you leave the island, the only characters you have to have are Selyse, Edgar, and Setzer. And, so it, and I saw my friend Dan, he did manage to beat the game with just those three characters. And it actually it has this hidden ending because... Well, normally what happens is when you leave the, when your Kefka's tower is collapsing and everyone's trying to escape, you know, they'll, everyone has their little bit of dialogue, but what happens is there's different dialogues if you didn't get certain characters. Like, for example, uh, if you have everyone or just about everyone, one of the first things that happens for when they talk about Edgar and Sabin, you know, um, there's that, you know, Edgar's trying to open a locked door. And a beam falls out, but, you know, Sabin comes up and he holds it up. And he's like, you know, I didn't turn my back on the kingdom, big brother. I, I knew you'd, you know, I trained hard knowing I'd have to help you someday. Well, if you don't get Sabin, instead what happens is he dodges out of the way. And then when they're trying to push the, um, 
you know, the beam out of the way. Sabin, um, Edgar's like, where's Sabin in those stupid muscles of his when you need it? Exactly. Seriously, you don't f*** with Sabin. That dude can hold up a house and suplex a train. Have you ever suplexed a train before? I have not, and I would probably, when it's going X number of miles an hour, I would probably not want to jump in front of it anyway and try to suplex it in the first place. He had some courage. Yes, exactly. I mean, like I said, it's not every day someone can suplex a train. So that's one of the things that is, uh, again, one of those little Easter eggs. Um, And, of course, you know, one of the characters that, well, when you did your first playthrough of Final Fantasy VI, did you wait up for Shadow on the floating island, or did you get the heck out of there? The first time I got the heck out of there, and then the second time, because I had a save point, which, here's where I go, yay, save points and multiple (laughs) endings or multiple outcomes, Uh, but you go there and you just go, okay, so what if I just wait? You know, because at first you're like, there's no time, there's no time, I gotta go. And then the second playthrough, you're like, well, this one's not really for, you know, keeps or whatnot. So we'll just find out what happens here. We got a save point. We can always go back or I've already gotten past this point, but you just go, okay, I'm feeling a little bit more adventurous. Now let's find out. Yeah. And then, yeah, then you're surprised and you're like, wait a second, you can get shadow back. So if you had to vote here, which character wise, which game do you think it would is better there? Do you think Chrono Trigger with its more streamlined cast of characters or do you think Final Fantasy six? Personally, I'm going to go with Final Fantasy VI for characters, only because I like being able to discover more about the characters. I like that it, they feel more in-depth for some of, for some of them. Uh, Chrono Trigger had a few good characters that you could empathize with and, and do whatever, but when you look at the overall story from a character perspective... I find that Final Fantasy VI is the better game in that aspect. Yeah, and I would agree because you would think that with Chrono Trigger, with the smaller cast, they would do more character development. But like as we said, really Frog and Magus are the only ones that get any real significant development. Um, Again, Chrono doesn't really get any development. He's basically just an empty shell and doesn't really have much personality. He's your persona, pretty much, or your view of the world, and that's all you need to do. Because they did have Chrono's mother. He apparently doesn't have a father. And he has a cat. But where, you know, there's multiple times where you get to see the backstories and the previous families of Marl. I don't think you ever get to see, like, Luca. Yeah, you do. Uh, Because there's that section where you, you find out why Luca's mom can't walk. And then you have the option to, if you do things right, you can actually save her and allow her to uh, to walk again. Which, yeah, I forgot about that. But in that place, you know what I mean? It's nice to see that. But again, I don't know, looking at Final Fantasy VI and the depth of most of those characters and their backstories, it's just so much more filled out, at least at that point. So the next topic to discuss is gameplay. So this would include things like, you know, the the actual game options outside of just having a good backstory behind a character. So in now I'm going to I know we, we what we did before at the characters is we kind of discussed it before we rated it. But I have to be honest, for the most part, I think Chrono Trigger is better than Final Fantasy VI when you come down to gameplay options. So what are your thoughts? So I like Chrono Trigger from that aspect. I like the dual magic and the triple magics because you could switch out the characters and you could combine them. And at first playthrough, you're kind of like, how how does this work or how do these dual techs work? And you find out and you're like, okay, let's try everybody. You know what I mean? It gives you a reason to try everybody in the combats. I like the fact that you go from just a random generation of here's a battle, here's a battle, here's a battle uh, to you see what's on the screen. Now, I forget because I haven't played this in a little bit. Once you were on there, could you actually move the characters or or were they just pretty much they were there where they went and then they attacked and moved and you didn't have any control over that? Yeah, with uh, Chrono Trigger... um... Yeah, the enemies move, but your character stayed the same. 
But that's one of the things I liked because, okay, with Final Fantasy VI, it did add a couple new things. Yeah, you had your front attack, you had your attack from behind, but they also added the pincer attack where, you know, sometimes the enemy had you surrounded and you couldn't run. So also, sometimes you could get a pincer attack on an enemy. So that was good. But I still think one of the things that's fun about Chrono Trigger is your tech special techniques that you got all had, they had a specific area of effect. Like with Chrono, uh, his first two techniques, he has a slash that does a straight line. And then the circular... Uh, and the, the enemies actually move around you. Yep. So you can sometimes wait for them to get in that straight line because it's an active battle timer. So they're all, they're moving while you're, you're ready to go. And then like, if you have everybody in that circle, they could be not in that circle at one point. And then you just wait five, two seconds and all of a sudden they're in range for you to do that. And you just pull off your tech and it's so much more effective. Yeah. And the thing that, I, that actually it adds another bit of a uh, layer of challenge to it because maybe you are planning on using an attack that just does a straight line. Like, okay, Luca has a flame toss. I know that that does it for as in a good example. Well, you might be getting ready to do that, but then an enemy might move out of that range. So instead of getting, you know, three enemies, you're only getting, you know, one or two. So it did add that depth to it, but. Um, also, another one of the things that I always liked about Chrono Trigger is how the battlefield and the stage map were one and the same. Um, you didn't have that whole removal of reality where it's like, okay, you're walking along, you're walking along, then, you know, the that sound effect plays, and then next thing you know, you're on a totally different screen. It was all happening on the on same. On that screen. Yeah. So you didn't have those those transitions that you do in a normal rpg you just yeah. had the okay here's all your like all the enemies on the screen once you hit one enemy would just suddenly go to their places and then you just battle from there yeah and the other the there's one thing i do like when you're talking about the gameplay options one of the things i do like about six over chrono trigger and this is just one of my personal pet peeves i hate it when games do this where each character can only use one type of weapon. So you find a katana, it's going to chrono. You find a sword, it's going to frog. You find a bow, it's going to marley. And so I don't know why, but that just annoys me. Now there's a little bit of that in six, like Sabin, for example, can only use claws, but a lot of the other characters do get a couple different types of weapons. Like uh, Edgar, for example, can use swords, daggers, you know, and, and spears, um, you know, so I thought that's one of the things I do find a little, uh, that's one of the things I do find better about six, though it is also a tough choice. So, cause six does give you some pretty fun character options aside from your attack and magics, uh, like, you know, Sabin, for example, he has his blitzes, um, you know, Edgar gets his tools, uh, Cyan gets his, you know, his sword tech, sword techniques. Yeah, and that's one of those things where, if you wanted them, because you didn't have, they weren't required to beat the game to have to ever use those sword techs. Because eventually you have magic, and as long as you have the right combination of things, you know, magic becomes, you know, there's the thing that cuts all MP in half. So you give somebody that, and you're doing that every time they gain a level. Well, they're gaining more MP and whatever stats your uh, Magicite gives you. Uh, but then, you know, suddenly you have that half whatever, and whatever extra stuff they have doesn't matter anymore. But it's yeah. still interesting to be able to have that option. Like, I remember I love the chainsaw. I just love the character art of... Uh, Edgar. Edgar just jumping out and then all of a sudden just spinning around with this chainsaw and then jumping back in and you're just like, what? How? And you forget. It's one of those things that eventually, well, even Final Fantasy 2, technology and magic coming together where technically I think Chrono Trigger has a little bit of that, but they relied more of your techniques and magic, so they didn't give you as many options there, but here's the thing with the way they started doing the magic in Final Fantasy VI, everybody got the same magic. 
Yeah. Where in Chrono Trigger, I feel a little bit, everybody's techniques are their techniques. They're their own techniques. They're special. That's what they do. Where in Final Fantasy VI, you've got their special abilities. You know, uh, Terra has her transform into her half-breed. Yeah. Um, Celeste has runic. Um, Ed- Locke has steel. Yeah. yeah, so they have all these little things that make them their own. But when you come down to magic, it eventually all you all get the same things. So it's yeah. like it's not as personable as, like, say, in a Final Fantasy II where... Rosa's your white mage, you know, mm-hmm. Rydia is your black mage. There you go. Yep. And, you know, we make a good point because with, with six, um, there's, have you ever, are you familiar with the sketch bug glitch uh, for Final Fantasy six? I'm not familiar. I've heard about it, but I've never really looked into that. Yep. Cause um, I actually found it by accident and this was back in like the mid nineties. So this was before everyone had everything on the internet and before YouTube. Um, but I was going, I was leveling up on the Velt, or actually I was just going there to build up magic, and I wondered what would happen if Riddy, not Riddy, um, Realm sketched Gao when he jumped back in the party. And I did, and the game froze up. I reset it, I reloaded my game, and all of a sudden I had all sorts of crap on my on my file that I, like, I would have multiple... Um, you know how normally you can carry 99 of an item? Yeah. Well, I would have different, like, for example, the Dirks and some of the different swords. It was listed in my inventory multiple times. And not only that, I would have, like, it would have, like, weird numbers for it. But with that file, I could give everyone a gem box and an, and an economizer. So that means basically everyone's MP is d- reduced to one M- MP cost, and everyone can dual cast. So you get to the. <laughs> so once you get, I, I have the video. I'll show you, but yeah, once you get to the last boss with that, you can pretty much just Ultima everything Ultima, out of existence. And, and just to say, is not the Final Fantasy VI Ultima like just the best spell? You're just like sitting there. Yeah. Yep. I like that. Yeah, I, I like that little bassy they put in. It's like you know the. Because you know something's coming there. You've got this huge spell yeah. effect, and it doesn't look like it's doing anything, but you know something's coming. Yep. Again, I, I think you made a good point that this is where I think Chrono Trigger has the advantage because, like I said, it Chrono Trigger, you know, the characters feel more unique. It's like with Final Fantasy IV, whereas Final Fantasy VI, once you start getting the Magicite, everyone kind of becomes the same. Yeah, they've still got their little unique abilities, but who's really going to use them very often? Because the magic's just usually more powerful. Now, that's one thing I'd like to research, is that at endgame, because you can go up to level 99, do any of those abilities actually outpace any of the magics that you can do? Is Are any of the abilities able to outshine, you know, Ultima or any of the other things? I don't really think so, but yeah, it would be interesting so to see if anybody has anything that, you know, no, if you have, like, the auto crossbow, you get, you know, Edgar's thing to 99 for dex or something that it does more damage, than, you know, or it does 99,000 dam- damage all the time, you know? It's like, that would be interesting, but I just don't think, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. So let's move to the next thing, story. So Final Fantasy VI, you know, of course it has the two parts with the world of balance and the world of ruin. Uh, basic story behind that, and again, you're you're made aware of this pretty much right from the beginning, that there's this evil empire. And they're, you know, they're they're using this poor innocent girl, and, you know, they're trying to get something called an esper. So, and Chrono Trigger, well, again, I'm, I say let's just, you know, kind of rate it right away. When we talk about story, honestly, I think both do have good stories. Yeah. But one of the things I do like about Chrono Trigger a little bit more than uh, 6 is you're not, they don't really reveal what your final enemy is going to be right away. You know, it's it takes a while. You have to really get into the story because right from the get-go in 6, you're like, okay, there's this evil empire. Gee, you've never seen that before um, in a video game. So you've got this evil empire, and you know that you're going to have to fight them eventually. You know, that that's going to be your, your main antagonistic force. But 
you really don't know about Lavos until you know a few hours into the game. Yeah. And again, what happens? What what is that point? What is that threshold of adventure for Chrono Trigger? You know, so if I may borrow from Joseph Campbell's Hero of a Thousand Faces, uh, you know, that threshold for adventure of Chrono, well, Marley mysteriously disappears and he has to go back in time to save her. We're not sure at that point what made her go back in time. We just know that this woman you just met has disappeared and you're going to be a good hero and you're going to go save her. Um, but again, it, the story builds up a little bit before you finally find out about Lavos and uh, you know Magus and then what was going on during the Dark Ages in that game. The interesting about that too is when you consider... You, there's multiple endings for Chrono Trigger. There's multiple times you can beat the end boss that all have different endings available. Whereas, while we know the end game for whatnot, only after in Final Fantasy VI everything goes through, that's when you defeat Kefka. I mean, Kefka, you didn't probably didn't know was going to be the end person at first because there are remaining bosses all the time. Chrono Trigger, you did know that Lavos was the end boss, but you didn't know that depending on how you defeat him actually changes the outcome of the story. Yeah, because the I do admit that did catch me off guard that first time when it's like the, uh, you know, when... Uh, Kefka kills, you know, the emperor, and then, uh, you know, then all of a sudden he becomes the big boss. I remember there was this one picture that someone was passing around Facebook. It was basically brief, like, one or two sentence summaries of all the Final Fantasy games. And Final Fantasy VI was, it's like Star Wars, only the emperor gets killed halfway between and gets replaced by the Joker. Exactly. No, and the one thing I will say about the story for the other things is Chrono Trigger needed a sequel. Chrono Cross, I don't know if was a good sequel at that point. It's still debatable. But the thing that I always thought about Final Fantasy VI was not that it needed a sequel. I wanted a prequel to that game of the thousand. Uh, was it the War, the War of, the Magi. of Magi? Magi. Yeah. Because I'm like, so was that when they had magic in the world? Was that because they had espers, or was that because espers hadn't left the world, so they didn't take that with them? I was like, in that that way, I don't know how that affects story at all. But I always thought the backstory to Final Fantasy three slash six would make a great one where. Because of the nature of Chrono Trigger, there's really no backstory that you can really have because you're playing through the backstory. Yeah, and, okay, I know some high-ranking game design executive from Square Enix is listening to this right now. Get on it, people. Make a prequel to Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, but no, that is a good point because, um, again, we, we learn bits and pieces about the War of the Magi, but it's not something that really gets fully f fleshed out. So, yeah, that would be an interesting... um prequel or honestly i even think it would be a good sequel because we've got this world that needs to be rebuilt yeah uh, again actually if you go back a few uh episodes ago my son and i and i don't know if you had a chance to listen to this episode or not we did an episode where we did a final fantasy timeline theory about okay let's say that all of these games did take place in the same continuity what order would be the most logical? And, you know, we had our own little idea there about where Final Fantasy VI would fit in overall, but... Um. Well, we already know that Final Fantasy X, X-2, and Seven are all in the same universe, supposedly, so... Yeah, I know. There, we yeah touched on that a little bit, too. And I know that theory's been a while, around a while as well, where, yeah, the connection between Ten and Seven. So, so overall... Again, I would have to say that I think Chrono Trigger gets a little bit better of a story for me just because it you have to really work your way into it. And again, you do have plenty of little side quests where I think there's more of the side quests in Chrono Trigger than there is in 6. Yeah, I, I will give you that. And also, the story in 6, while it's good, and I, and I love the story in 6, 
it is linear where it's kind of like Chrono Trigger's story is more putting together a puzzle, if that makes sense. As you go back and forward in time, you're actually getting more of really the backstory because even though things happen, even though things happen in the future, those are affecting your present that also are going to affect the ba- background of what you do later on, you know, and all have to be put together to create some semblance of what actually happened. Yep. Well, next category, music. And I have to say this is a difficult one because it's like asking what's better, Bach or Beethoven, you know, so or Mozart or Beethoven, because both games have really good soundtracks. I will contend, though, that I don't know if anything in Chrono Trigger matches the opera scene, at least for me, and Dancing Madly, um, yeah. the and the end song. Just those those two things. Like I love Chrono Trigger's music. I love, I believe the um, the music from the Sacred Omen and the that's the that's the battle floating battleship okay, yeah. and then the the mystic cities uh but again just the just, and i know there's a lot of on the internet i think people who are like yeah no the opera house scene is so overrated but for me just you know dancing madly and the end song and um the opera scene song totally just make final fantasy 6 for me the better one but overall when you're listening to the soundtrack Sometimes I say, you know, yeah, no, the actual Chrono Trigger is just the one that you want to just listen to because, you know, Final Fantasy VI is just that one that you're looking for those two songs. Yeah. That's good. Well, I really like the overworld themes for six better than um, than Chrono Trigger. I, I mean, because both the Terra theme and Searching for Friends, two of my favorite pieces of video game music. So, like I said, it's a real toss-up. I would almost put six a little bit higher than Chrono Trigger, but not by too much because, like I said, it's like asking what's better, Beethoven or Mozart. It's like both have really good soundtracks, and uh, both of them have their high points. Both of them have their tracks that are okay, and both of them have a couple tracks that I'm not really too fond of. Yeah. Um. But yeah, if I had, if someone said, okay, you have to choose, for me, it would be six. I I think for me, it would be six too. Like I said, it would just be, like, like I said, it's it, you know, it's almost like I would have to go. Well, tell me what situation I'm in. Yeah. Am I adventuring? Then maybe sometimes it's Chrono Trigger, but is it I'm in the boss battles? You know what I mean? And I want to hear Dancing Badly or I want to hear the opera song. You know, it's like, meh. oh, and Ultros theme. Don't forget Ultros theme. Yeah, the uh, but I mean, yeah, and that's right. Another reason why I think six uh, is a little bit better is because I think it carries the mood a little bit better where uh, Chrono Trigger, I don't have. I mean, part of it is just my past experience, um, experiences that I've attached to the games. I guess for me, Chrono Trigger, not Chrono Trigger, 6 has more of that emotional attachment for me than Chrono Trigger does. But like I said, I, I think it's pretty, that's my. That's just our two cents, I guess, that we both are in agreement that overall 6 has a little bit better soundtrack. Yeah. So the last thing to talk about, replayability. Because let's face it, if you play a if you buy a video game and back then a game like Chrono Trigger or Final Fantasy 6 would have probably cost you about 40 to 50 bucks. No, Final Fa- I remember this because when Final Fantasy 6 actually came out it was about $80 for It was? Yeah, when it first came out. Well, I got mine, okay, I got mine second hand. You know, and that's one of the things that kids today'll never know. Do you remember what it was like to buy a game that had save files on it, you know, and you got it from the game store and you're like, okay, let's see what this person, um, we were, we rented games all the time. And then all of a sudden you'd be like, okay, well, let's see what this is about. And then like having the worst thing in the world is Dragon Quest two or no Dragon Warrior two, cause it's in the U S but Dragon Warrior two trying to log into somebody's save file because they've gone before you and just going, 
I can't even know what I'm even doing. It's not even something. Yeah. Yeah, because when I, I remember mine, the, the save file when I first started it, it was right at the end with Kefka. You know, so the first file I opened. But yeah, like I said, one of those things that today's youth will never know with modern games. Because, of course, since it went to CDs, everything just gets saved on your on your game. On your game, yeah. So when it comes to replayability... That's one thing that's always important for me for a game because if I'm paying a lot of money for a game, I don't want just some like five, ten hour story mode and then okay, that's it, nothing nothing left. Now, with uh I'd have to say hands down when it comes to replayability, Chrono Trigger. The thing that makes Chrono Trigger very interesting is, and we tr- touched on this before, and I think I was about to go into, you know, right away in the beginning. You about to jump the gun. Um, but it's the replayability, the multiple different endings. And I don't know if you've looked at the Game Boy Advanced version that they brought out, but it, or was it Game Boy? Yes. DS, with the extra dungeon and Shayla's story, but that brought in a whole new ending, which I forget how many they said, like... 30 some endings or something I or 20 think it's endings? Only like, well, in the original version, I think there's only like 10 or 12. Only 10 or 12. It only 12, 10 or 12 endings. Because I've only seen two of them. Uh, I know there's also another ending where uh, everyone comes back as dinosaurs, you mm-hmm. know, or reptile people. and um, But yeah, I know there's, there's about at least about 10, which, like I said, at that time was pretty much, well, even today, how many video games are there out there that have 10 endings? Um, I mean, I think... I'm guessing the Mass Effect 3 community would have liked a couple different... Oh! <laughs> you know, I'm not really familiar with Mass Effect. I have I played a little bit of it once when I was at a friend's house, but yeah, I guess I, I know that the ending for Mass Effect 3 was pretty uh, poorly received. Yeah, it's just one of those things that it's like when we're talking about different endings, you know, and that, that a game company actually had to go in after the fact and change the ending. It's like... You know, and that almost makes you wonder. It's like, and again, Final Fantasy fifteen. I love the game. Don't get me wrong. But I know one of the complaints people have is like, okay, now you got to keep buying all this DLC to get the full story. And, um, you know, maybe that's it's back then, like in the days of Final Fantasy six, they the game designers had to make sure they had everything the way they want it because you couldn't just go in and and patch a pre existing copy. You could create a new version of the game. Like, for example, I was talking about the sketch bug. Yeah. That's only, you can only use the sketch bug in the first version of the game. Yeah. Because eventually what they did is they made a patch for it. So you couldn't do the, um, after the first version, you couldn't do do yeah. it anymore. Because they because it's kind of like fighting games. That's why in in the 90s, if you ever played fighting games, there wouldn't be a patch. There would be a whole new arcade version and then a whole new <coughs> Street home Fighter. <coughs> Street Fighter. <laughs> Not like there's 300 versions of that. Yes. Um, oh, yes. But... And they realized, yeah, and they, for Switch, they actually released the uh, Super Ultra, you know, version. Super Ultra, this is really the last one. No, really, we mean it. Uh, <laughs> version of Street Fighter 2. Yeah, no, it, and that's why it's it's weird because I I didn't know that because most games they would just never fix those things even though they went into second third runs with it because there was no way. Now Final Fantasy 15's kind of a bad example in a way because well, DLC was just canceled. Um but and we will never know the artist's real thing, but yeah. it also got at least for those endings and and that story, I don't know about you, but it got a little overbearing. I I have the season pass and I have all the DLCs, and I was waiting for like I'm looking forward to episode Arden, but at the same time, it's just like I really have to slog through this where it could have just been in the story and then does any of this really any of my progress really connect? to the story back once I'm done with it. Like one of the things I noticed, and I know we're getting a little off tangent here, but I don't worry. If you, we get off topic all the time on my show. So like, 
you can't, and, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but when I tried through my second playthrough, because I, I started a new playthrough when I had the DLC, and then I was expecting, you know, Gladios just left, right? And I'm like, okay, I'll save here, and then I'll go to the the DLC for Gladios, because I'm figuring what a better time to do this. No, until you beat on the save file of the game, you can't access the DLC. I'm like, why? Why is that so jarring? Did they? Because, I mean, I know I played the DLC before I beat the game, so I don't know if they changed something or... They may have, or maybe I was just doing something wrong, or maybe my PS4 was just angry with me. Not that, you know... Yeah, I've got the Xbox One version, but you know what's funny? Because uh, one thing about Final Fantasy fifteen, like it or hate it, you do form somewhat of an emotional attachment with the characters. Because I completed the episode Ignis DLC before I finished the game. So I knew what was going to happen to him. So I'm like, I was at Altisha at the time. I'm like, well, I want to advance the game, but I don't want Iggy to go blind. (laughs) But anyways, so yeah, I'd have to say hands down, Chrono Trigger gets replayability because you've got the new game plus and you've got, you know, all the different endings where... About the only real major thing you can do to replay three is try to do that challenge that I was talking about where, you know, my friend Dan, where he beat it with just the three characters. And also, if you wanted to go possibly get all the um, blue magics from Strago and all the rages for Gao, you know what I mean? Uh, But otherwise... Where Final Fantasy, you can replay it for fun. That's it's still a good RPG, and it's still you know forty to sixty hour journey. Chrono Trigger actually kind of rewards you because of those different endings. It's like, how do I get those different endings? What if I beat Lavos? Like, isn't it possible just to kill Lavos on the first time you see him? Like, you can just go right right then and just go there? I'm not sure. That's a good That's a good question. It's like um, you have, and that's the thing, is you have those multiple opportunities to even just try crazy stuff to see what happens. Yeah, and I think there's also some, a couple points in the game where you're given the option to choose, like, one item or another. Um, so then this is where the new game plus is because then you can go back and get the, and other, get the item. other item. Yeah. Like, uh, for example, I think it was after Marley's father has the trial and you go into the, the dungeon of the castle, there's like some rainbow shell and, uh, one of the, one of the, the three wise guys you meet, I think it's Malachor. He offers to either use it to create one you know, one suit of armor or three helmets, you know, so you have that where you can go back and you can, uh, you know, try to see what happens when you choose the other option. So, well, any last thoughts on Final Fantasy VI and Chrono Trigger? Go, if you have not played them yet, which is almost impossible in my mind, but, you know, there are some holdouts out there, go play these. These are very interesting games they are entertaining and they are worthwhile to the history of role-playing games in general i i do believe that i have a roommate who still refuses to play chrono trigger and i'm like what is wrong with you this is like hands down one of the best games now i can see you know for final fantasy 6 that probably might be a slug but chrono trigger is pretty much just nice and laid out and good to go. But yeah, that would be my final thought. If you have not played these two titles, to go find a way, you know, and just experience them and understand what's going on because they are such a pivotal in the history of video games, I believe, that I I think everybody should play them. Yeah, definitely. And as I said, the co- um, I would have to say that a... a, a Super NES, Cla- Super NES Classic, worth it just alone for Final Fantasy VI. But think of it this way. You're getting a, a version of Final Fantasy VI, and you're just getting a bunch of other games with it for free. But, um, yeah, and I, I know they did make a, a version of it for smartphones. I haven't played it. I've heard mixed reviews on it. I know then they also made a, rever- a revision for the Game Boy Advance. Um, I know you can also emulate it, but... I don't know if the Wii Virtual Console stores are still open. 
I believe they are, but I know that I just heard that they're taking like Netflix off of that. So how long that we virtual store is going to be open, I I don't know, especially since it sounds like they're starting to, sh- you know, shut it down. Yeah. And I mean, if you still have a Wii or a Wii U, certainly go and take a look cuz I can get them for like 8 bucks. I'm not sure if they released them for the Switch yet, but and like I said, hey, if you're really a hardcore collector and you've got the money to spare, Feel free to go to eBay and spend a couple hundred dollars on them. They're, well, I don't know if I'd recommend spending that much, but they're still fun games. Your life will be better if you have a chance to play them. I know uh, on Steam it was very controversial because they ported the iPad slash iPhone version of Chrono Trigger on there and pretty much didn't almost do anything for it. And they've made some fixes to it but i don't know if that's necessarily uh the best way to play it but again if that's your only way to play it better eh, than nothing better than nothing i didn't know they have that on steam do they have final fantasy 6 on steam as well i believe so yeah okay well hey if you i i I believe again people were kind of grumpy about that because of some of the art changes they did but because of course you know square always wants to make things better i.e final fantasy 7 remake because we can't have good things yeah. Um, or maybe we can. That's still yet to be seen if it ever comes out and how good it really is. Yeah. Uh, one of the YouTubers I like watching, Pro Jared, he had this one episode he did called the top 10 worst things Square has done with Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. And one of them, he talked about the ports to the iOS and he mentioned six in there. It's like, you know, the graphics, it looks like someone turned on the, the smooth function on their emulator, drew the graphics over and it's like, it's finished. So, yeah, go go to YouTube and look up uh, Pro Jared. He has a good episode about that. But I think we're done for now. So I'd like to thank you for joining me today, Wayne. And uh, thank you all for listening. Have a good evening or morning or afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you are. And happy gaming. You have been listening to a program from the Point of Insanity Network. Visit us at poigamestudio.podbean.com for more shows. Follow us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at POI Game Studio.